Praise God. Why don't you stand to your feet? We honor the reading of God's Word. I want you to open to the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews. And we're going to begin in chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 6. I think this will come up on the screen. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation this morning. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 6. Are you there? All right, let's read this together. For in one place the scriptures say, What are mere mortals? Or what is man that you should even think about them? He's talking to God. Or the son of man that you should care for him. Yet for a little while you made them a little lower than the angels, and you crowned them with glory and honor. Everybody say glory and honor. It says, you gave them authority over all things. Now, when it says all things, it means nothing is left out. They had authority over everything. But we have not yet seen all things put under their authority. What we do see is Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. We see Jesus, for who for a little while was given a position a little lower than the angels. It's the same as Adam and Eve. And because he suffered death for us, he is now crowned with glory and honor. Yes, by God's grace, Jesus tasted death for everyone. And we'll stop there. I'll share a little bit more, but let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to speak to us. I'm sharing today what it is to be crowned with glory and honor. Let's ask the Lord to speak to us through his word. Mighty God, I, I just present this word to you. I, I, I thank you, Lord, that even today I had a sense of your presence, your, your glory visiting us in this place. And mighty God, I'm asking that, that you would visit us today, that our lives, just as was said here, would be crowned with glory and with honor. We want to reflect who you are, Jesus, and all that you've made available to us. So I ask you, Lord, to speak to our hearts and to, to change our lives in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray, mighty God, for an anointing to be released in this place, that you would rest upon me, that I would preach with authority as I ought to, and, Lord, that you would anoint every listener within the sound of my voice, that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart that receives what your Spirit is speaking. We give you this time in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Everybody say Amen. You may be seated. So the Lord's kind of taken me on a, on a little bit of a journey as we've been in Passover. You'll notice that uh, every week, if you've been paying attention, I've really kind of been looking at, at glory. Everybody say glory. I might have you say glory a lot today. That's what I want to share about. We talked a couple weeks ago about the glory of Palm Sunday and how Jesus laid down his life so that we could be redeemed. And he called that glory. He talked about how when he died and he would be resurrected, that the Father would then return him to the glory that he had um, before he had come to the earth. And so it's a powerful idea. We talked, of course, on, on Easter about the glory of the resurrection. And that's a glory you and I will one day be able to share in. And I don't know about you, but I'm excited about that day. But this is something, as I've just been reading, and I was in a, in a quiet time, uh, this was probably about two weeks ago, I was reading through the book of Hebrews. 
And I came across this phrase. Now, I've read this many times. I've studied it. I'm not sure that I preached on it, but I, uh, it, it just, you ever have those moments where you're reading and all of a sudden something just comes alive to you out of the Bible? This was one of those moments. I read this idea that when God created man, he made them a little lower than the angels and he crowned them with glory and with honor. And I just like, wow. God, what is that all about? What does it mean that, that mankind was crowned with glory and with honor? And that's really something that I want to talk about today. I, I want to deal with the idea of glory. Now, I, I, I mentioned, I think, on Palm Sunday how really glory, I know the theologians, we, we say, oh, it means weight. Or, uh, you, know, uh, you know, and that's, that is literally what it means when you talk about the Shekinah glory that would drop into particular meetings. It means the weighty presence of God. But what are all these other mentions of glory all throughout Scripture? And so I've kind of reduced glory to a a really simple phrase, and it's simply this. It is a manifestation of God's nature or characteristics in the earth. That's what glory is. Somebody say glory. When God shows up and begins to move in our midst, that's, that's glory. Now, there's greater and lesser levels of glory. I mean, how many of you felt the presence of God as we were in worship today? I mean, my goodness, I just thought like the heavens were about to open. I was like, I don't know about you, but I'm like waiting for angels in particular moments. Or I'm, I'm waiting for these moments where people just begin to come up and uh, man, nobody even prayed for me, but I just got healed. Uh, nobody even prayed for me, but I, I encountered Jesus. I mean, that's glory. And God desires to do that in greater, in greater measure. Uh, even one of the things, if, if you're looking for fuel or direction to pray for our building program, I've, I've taken Second Chronicles. It's the process where David, and then handed it off to Solomon, uh, built the temple of worship, Solomon's temple. David supplied all the finance and all the materials, and Solomon saw that thing built. And when they dedicated the temple, the Bible says that the glory of the Lord fell. Is in 2 Chronicles 5. The glory of the Lord filled the temple to such a degree that the priests and the people of God could not even come into the temple. Now, I don't know about you, man, but it's just like I daydream. And I'd like to say it's faith, but I like to believe for what God is going to do when we finish our new building. Like, could you imagine if we, uh, you know, we begin to praise and worship? And I, I mean, we'll have an order of service. We'll probably have a, you know, some guests, and uh, you know, we'll have some exciting stuff planned. But I would just love if before we even get halfway through our opening prayer, the glory of the Lord would just fill that place and. Uh, you guys are driving onto the parking lot, and you're just out under the power of God. Uh, we can't even enter into the place of worship. We just get sloshed. I don't know. I can't think of a good word. It's just the glory of the Lord. And God desires to do this kind of thing. You look throughout history, and, and what is marked to these, I mean, you guys, I was reading this last week about the great awakenings that happened here in these islands. Brother Titus Cohen, and you know what's crazy? I, I, I was trying to find, like, what were the elements to this move of God? 
I tried finding sermons from Titus Cohen. And you're hard-pressed to find sermons. I found some of the sermon titles that he preached, but I'm telling you, that move of God was not built on his preaching. Even though his preaching was powerful, it wasn't even built on the love of the people, even though that was very important. The historians describe how Cohen would begin to preach, and they said that cords of love would wrap around the people and engage their hearts. It's what drew people in. But I'm telling you, love was not unique to what God was doing there in that revival, nor was community. And you say, why, why are you talking about these things? Because I've tried to figure out, like, what is it that, that sets the church of Jesus Christ apart from the Lions Club or the biker group or the wisdom of a TED Talk or uh, Joe Rogan or whoever you like to listen to? Like, you, know, you guys understand what I'm saying? Yes. Pastor, how dare you even say, I know, I know. Here's my point. There are smart people saying a lot of things in a lot of different circles. It doesn't mean nothing. Any more than a preacher preaching the word. Now, I believe for God to meet and move and minister. Preaching's important. I'm a preacher. But I'm telling you, I believe that this church is not growing because Pastor Jacob's the greatest preacher on the planet. I, there's a lot of places we can get community. You can have community at the bar down the street. You can have community with a group of guys you ride motorcycle with. Uh, that's not unique to the church. You can have love. In fact, I was hearing a testimony from Dr. Michael Brown. He was sharing about one of his friends who had lost his wife. He was an unbeliever. And there was a group from the Mormon church who began to bring him groceries, began to pray for him and care for him. And it was their love expressed to him that drew him into the Mormon church. Now, I'm not ashamed or, you know, I, I'm not even like, uh, that's a cult. It is a false religious system, but they won him through their expression of love. And so you might say, well, pastor, if these other groups have good preaching and they have loving people and they have community, then what does the church have to offer that these other groups don't? The manifest presence of the glory of God. That's what we have to offer that no other group on the planet is able to walk in. We have the demonstration of the Spirit of God that meets us, that moves and it ministers. Uh, oh my goodness, you, you guys can't tell I get excited about this. My, I mean, I got saved uh, and got immediately thrust into these revival circles. And, uh, and I tell you, what separated things like the Brownsville Revival or the Toronto Outpouring, you can look further back in history at Azusa Street, wasn't that there was, you know, any new structure or form of worship, but it was a moment of visitation, the glory of the Lord coming and intervening in situations. Dr. Morocco. He shares about their building program. And some of you know this story. He writes about it in his church uh, book, The Multiplying Church. He talks about how they had just finished their building on Maui. Awesome uh, building. You, you can go see it at the conferences. Uh, maybe some of you have been over there. But uh, they just finished that building. And he invited as a guest a man of God from South Africa named Rodney Howard Brown. 
Now, Rodney in the 90s was connected to nearly every revival that you see breaking out in the United States primarily. God used him mightily, powerfully. Now, at that time, King's Cathedral is an assembly of God, but Dr. Morocco was not the Holy Ghost animal that he is today. He was a Bible teacher. That's primarily what he operated as. But they came and they began to host these meetings with Rodney Howard Brown. Forty days of revival meetings. And if any of you have been a part, they don't just come together every night. Brother Rodney, he'll have service in the morning, then they'll have service in the evening. You guys think that we're insane in the schedule rerun. We got three whole services a week. Well, four if you both Sunday morning, Sunday night, Thursday night. No, every day, morning and night for 40 days. Hallelujah. And you know what? The glory of the Lord began to break out. So what happens is, I mean, they were watching the power of God move. Doctor shares about how these moments, the Spirit of God would move in. And he said his wife would be weeping or crying, just like melt like a puddle out of her seat on the front row. And she never responded in that way. My wife was in those meetings. I think she was like, eight or nine years old when, when she was in the services at that time. But she remembers the people coming in, lining up all the way around the building so they could lay hands on every person in the room. Well, on day 40, the last day of that revival, Rodney Howard Brown goes to Dr. Morocco and says, tonight, you're going to pray for people. And what Dr. Morocco thought, he tells a story, but he, what he thought that Rodney meant was, I'm going to pray for people and, like, and, and I'll just walk alongside you. Like Rodney's going to pray for people and I'll just like follow along with you and just kind of support you. That's not what Rodney Howard Brown meant. So Rodney preaches. He comes to the altar call, gets everybody, you know, lined up, ready to go, and then makes the announcement, Dr. Morocco is going to pray for everybody tonight. I'm going to watch. And Dr. Morocco, this was his thought. Because you got to understand, some of you guys have seen, you've watched, you know the testimony now, and it's like, no big deal. Dr. Morocco was not the man that he is today. Dr. Morocco, this was, this was the dialogue he had to himself. He says, I'm going to go, I'm going to pray for the first person that's down here in the altar, nothing's going to happen. They're going to say, is that it? And I'm going to say, yeah, that's it. And, uh, and then my ministry is going to be over because I have no power. That was his thought. So <laughs> he says, you know, Rodney wouldn't get him, let him off the hook, so he goes, and he takes one step down on the first step. And he says the moment he took the first step onto the first stair going down to the floor level, he felt the glory of the Lord come upon. Not just a goosebump. He felt the glory. And he's like, we pray for the glory of the Lord. But he's like, when the glory of the Lord shows up, it's scary, man. It's big. You feel like you're going to die. And he talks about his heart starts racing. He felt this weight come upon him. And he said, he prayed for the first lady. And she, like lightning from heaven, hit by the power of God, she goes out on the ground. And then the next one, out under the power of God, he goes down the whole first line. I'm telling you, God visited that church in his glory in a powerful, in a dynamic way that day. You know, there's people that are pastors now who got saved in those very meetings. There are pastors in our congregation. They were sinners coming in. They got impacted by the glory of the Lord. And today, they're leading wonderful churches all around the world. 
It's incredible. In fact, one cool story, <laughs> he talks about this moment where he was, he was praying, and he had, like, gone all the way to the back. And uh, have you guys ever heard this before? Some of you have. He, he goes all the way to the back of the room because, again, they lined people all around the entire room and in between the aisles and stuff because there's so many people, and they, it's the only way they could do it. And so he's back, and in the sanctuary, um, the back of the room is right next to a restroom, okay? So he's back there, and he prays for one person who, like, who falls out under the power of God, and they hit the wall that's, uh, that's next to the men's restroom, okay? And so, you know, and that's it. And you say, why are you describing this? Well, Dr. Morocco gets a call about a week after that meeting. And he says, it was a, it was a pastor from Oahu who calls. He says, Dr. Morocco, I was in that meeting with Rodney Howard Brown, and I have the craziest story. He's like, I was in the bathroom, and he's like, I had just finished my business, and I was there washing my hands, and all of a sudden, I go out under the power of God. I open my eyes, and I'm on the floor in the bathroom wondering what in the world has gone on. Did you know that God began to spark a, a revival on a smaller scale? What God was doing there on Maui, God began to do right there in his church on Oahu. It's amazing. God does things that will just absolutely blow your mind. That is the glory of the Lord. That's the glory of the Lord. Now, you say, Pastor Jacob, why are you sharing all of that? I haven't even got to my first point yet, but I'll go through it quickly, I promise. I, I look at this kind of stuff, man. And what it, what it does for me is I look in God. If you could visit these islands the way you did with Titus Cohen, God, if you could move through a guy like Dr. Morocco who had no expectation for the Holy Ghost to move the way he did. God, if you could use these people all throughout history. I mean, one of my heroes, one-eyed black man in a time when segregation was at its worst, William Seymour, God used to spearhead a mighty Azusa Street revival. I'm looking and I'm like, God, if you could use those kinds of people, why not us? Why couldn't you pour out your glory right here in Kona and use this group of people if we would set ourselves with expectancy and faith in our heart? God, we want your glory. Now, let, let me give you a theology for this, okay? We're going to look at glory. Now, Hebrews, I don't know if you noticed this, but uh, it pulls our attention in three different ways. Uh, as we look at this Hebrews text, uh, in verse 8, we're encouraged to look around. In verse 9, we're encouraged to look up. And in verse 10, we're encouraged to look forward. And I'm going I'm to show you exactly where we see all of these things. In verse 8, talks about how we, when God created man, he crowned them with glory and honor. He gave them authority. And then in verse 8, it says, you gave them authority over all things. When it says all things, it means nothing was left out. That's how God created mankind. Authority over all things, nothing left out. But look what it says. But we have not yet seen all things put under authority. Look around. We see glimpses of the glory of God, but we do not see all things brought under authority. Right? You say, what are you talking about? Well, we were created for glory and honor. 
And we know Adam and Eve blew it when they were in the garden. They were crowned with glory and honor. God gave them authority over all things, right? All animals, all of the earth, take, subdue, have dominion, rule and reign, be fruitful and multiply. That was their assignment. They had everything. Glory and honor. Everybody say glory and honor. But when they sinned, not only was their honor removed, they were brought down a level. Now they have to labor against the land, thorns, and thistles, right? They have warfare amongst husband and wife. Your wife's desire will be for you and for your position. There was now striving where there used to be authority. In fact, many scholars even believe that animals prior to that were vegetarian, and now something was twisted, and... and, I'd like to think we're still going to eat meat in heaven. I can't. I don't know. That's, that's just personal preference. But um, ribs, yeah. Uh, come on. Jonathan, smoke meat. Praise the Lord. So uh, in any event, I'm getting off track. So, but so their honor, their honor was, was, was taken. But then their glory, it, this is just my personal belief, but did you know that Hebrews text, it says when he created them, they were crowned. Another translation says they were clothed with glory. You want to know where I think Adam and Eve recognized their nakedness? Yes, there was a shame and a harassing that came from the, from the enemy immediately. But I believe that prior to the fall, they were not naked. I believe they were clothed in the glory of the Lord. And when they sinned, that glory left them, and now they found themselves naked and ashamed. And this is where God had to create coverings for them. But even then, they were separated from God in His presence. That's where glory and honor were removed. And we look over the next thousands of years until the coming of Jesus Christ. He was born in the exact same way, a little lower than the angels, yet he never sinned. He died a sinner's death, and you guys know this is the gospel. He was resurrected, he overcame hell, death, and the grave, and he redeemed us. That means he bought us back into right relationship with the Father. And the Bible says that he was once again crowned with glory and honor. Oh my goodness. So what we have essentially is from the fall of man, look around. We see the devastation of sin in the world, right? We look around and we see nations and ethnic groups warring against one another. That's not glory, friend. We look around and we see sickness and disease ravishing the world. That is not glory, friend. We see the sexualization of children through the media. I mean, God forbid. Now i got to watch what cartoons my kids are watching. Jesus, help us. That is the furthest thing from glory you can imagine. We have abuse in the home, suicide, and addiction in the home. We are Far from glory. We're far from glory. Look around. It's just what Hebrews says. We have not yet seen all things brought into authority. But there is hope. 
There is hope. Look at verse 9, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9. It says this, what we do see. So you look around and we see the brokenness and the devastation. But what we do see now is Jesus. For who a little while was given position a little lower than the angels, he suffered death for us, and he has now been clothed with glory and honor. So instead of looking around at all the brokenness around us, we need to be aware of that. Look up. Look to Jesus. He was glory made manifest. He is the embodiment of the will and the intentions of God in the earth. Are you guys with me this morning? I'm preaching myself happy. I hope that you get this as well. I feel like this is pivotal for our church, friend. The church of Jesus Christ is the weapon and it is the means by which God desires to release his glory in the earth. Did you know you are the answer to the brokenness that exists in our community? I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm talking about point three already, but we're going to look up. Look at, look at what the Bible says. You know what glory is? I'm going to give you a couple definitions of glory. I, I said it's a physical manifestation of God in our midst, but let me give you a couple Bible verses for this, okay? The, the book of John likes to use this word glory quite a bit. In John chapter 1, in verse 1, you probably know this by heart, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. By the way, who is this talking about? Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. All things were made through Jesus, and without Jesus was made nothing that was made. In him, Jesus was life, and that life was the light of men. Now, jump down to verse 14, John chapter 1. It says, the word became flesh, and it dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Everybody say glory. We beheld his glory as the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Oh my goodness. Did you know Jesus is glory? You want to know, like, well, what is glory? It's not just what your grandpa used to say in agreement to the message, right? You say, Amen. Glory. Right? You ever heard that? You guys ever meet the person that says, Amen, in the wrong spots? And Judas went to betray Jesus. Amen. Pay attention. (laughs) No, I just remember one time a pastor was sharing a story and he's like, he's talking an illustration. And the young man was brutally murdered. And somebody wasn't paying attention. Like, Amen. Glory. What? Pay attention to what you're talking. So now listen, if we're talking about an attribute of God, glory. Everybody say glory. Jesus is glory. And so you, you want to know what glory looks like? We need to look no further than the life and the ministry of Jesus. That's our standard, guys. I, I've got heroes like William Seymour and Steve Hill and, yeah, even Dr. Morocco and Titus Cohen. I mean, there's, there's men and women of God. I mean, I, I pulled these things up. This morning I was watching Catherine Kuhlman and Benny Hinn. Like, I watch these guys all the time. They are heroes of mine. But none of those are the standard of glory that I'm looking to. None of them are. There's 
aspects of God do that again. Whoa, God do that again. But at the end of the day, I believe that God wants to do more than has ever been done in human history. And he wants to use us. These heroes of the faith are not our standard for glory. We look up to Jesus as a standard for glory. He is glory. Hallelujah. Now, look at John chapter 2 and verse 11. I'm going to tell you what glory is. This is what Jesus did. John 2, 11 says, The beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee, he manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Do you know what he was doing? It was the first miracle that he worked. He went to a wedding. Uh, not to officiate the wedding, by the way, he went to essentially be the bartender at that wedding. I told my wife that, and like, you can't say that. No, no listen, I, uh, I say stuff that offend heathens all the time, and I believe the gospel should. That's how we get people to repent. Praise the Lord. But I am of equal opportunity, okay? And so I'm going to affect the religious in the room and the legalistic, and if you can't acknowledge it, Jesus brought the wine to the party. Hallelujah. And so everybody say glory. glory. That's, the Bible called it glory. So now, now let me just make this practical. I'm not saying that you got to drink wine. In fact, my wife and I have chosen to abstain from alcohol. We've had the same thing for our staff, and that's a personal choice. Although, you know, I don't demonize anybody who does choose. Uh, don't give in to drunkenness, but, uh, you know, praise God. Um, what this is talking about is the working of miracles. It's the working of miracles. Do you know when God works miracles, it is a manifestation of glory? It's exactly what he said. This was the beginning of the manifestation of glory as he began to work miracles among the people. This is why I contend for miracles. This is why I share the story. I, I, my wife and I were just eating at Outback Steakhouse, praise God. And we were, <laughs> we were there. And, you know, I can't go to Coconut Grove without thinking about God giving us this building. You say, what does that have to do with anything? If you don't, I'll tell it real quick. But we were looking for the owner of this building. We could not find him. This building was not for sale. We actually just wanted to lease this single room. Dr. Morocco's like, that's a great building. Let's buy the whole thing. So it's not for sale. Well, call a realtor. Call somebody. The realtor, there was no realtor connected to this thing. We sent Minister Adele. She looked in the county records trying to find tax papers or anything that had the name of an owner or anything for, uh, for this building. Could not find it. One night I'm here, and uh, we were coming over for a Bible study, and I had a dream. And in that dream... Pastor Hennessy, who's going to share with us on Thursday night, in the dream, Pastor Hennessy comes up to me and says, you will buy that building out of Coconut Grove. I'm like, I don't know what Coconut Grove is. I wake up and I tell Leah, I had this dream. Pastor Jim said, we're going to buy that building out of Coconut Grove. And she's like, you know what Coconut Grove is, right? I said, no. It's where the volleyball courts are. There's a coffee shop over there that we like, Kona Haven. I said, well, let's go get a coffee. So we went and uh, go up to that coffee shop. We asked the lady who we ordered our coffee from. I said, uh, uh, this is a really strange question, but do you have any idea who owns the King Kamehameha Mall right up the road? Blue Roof, Aloha. And she says, yeah. The same person who owns this building 
owns that building. And I said, can I have their phone number, please? And so within 20 minutes, I had this person on the phone. Now, this is what I think about. Did you know that person is from Korea? They hadn't been here for years before, and they've not been here since years after. He came just to visit his son, and he got stuck here when the COVID lockdown happened. So he was stuck here on this island. I mean, the window that we had, I'm, I'm telling you guys, I look at this. How did I know where to go? God spoke through a dream. He orchestrated for that girl who knew the owner to be right there, and he orchestrated for the owner to be here on the island during that very time. I look at that, guys, I can't say, you know what, I'm just such a great business person. I had the finances work out. I'm a great negotiator. No, I cannot lay claim to any of this. It's a miracle of God. Oh. You know, I share these stories because miracles like this, it is a manifestation of glory. And he desires us all. My wife and I was just talking about how, man, I just feel like we're in such sync with everything that God desires to do. We walk in here and the right person is standing there. We go over here and it just, the money just comes in right in the right moment. Just on and on and on. We can all walk like that, friend. We can all walk and operate in that very same way. That's manifested glory. That's miracles. Uh, I, I'm going to go through this quickly because I, we're going to pray. Um, John 11:4. I'm just giving you what the Bible calls glory. Uh, Jesus was called on to pray for Lazarus. Mary and Martha called for him and said, Lazarus is sick, he's about to die. And Jesus responds, John eleven four. 4, this sickness is not unto death, but it is for the glory of God. Everybody say glory. glory. So not only are, is Jesus glory, but miracles are manifested glory. But the third thing is the healing of the sick is glory. Do you know that? God desires to see, like when my wife was standing up here last Sunday and her ear that had been going deaf in a moment opened. I mean, I'm telling you, we were, where were we sitting? Oh, we were in the car. And she's like, do you hear that? I'm like, hear what? And, and like, I don't know what it was. It was like, it was a hydro flask that had just like been a little loosened and there was a little bit of air that was coming out in the back seat of the car. Like, my wife not only got healed, but she's got, like, superhuman hearing now. And it's amazing. <laughs> it might be. I, we got to get her earplugs, too, because she was hearing, like, the neighbors talk the other night, too. And I'm like, how do you even hear this? Uh, God healed. You know, that is a demonstration of the glory of God. When God's healing people, when cancers are removed, when deaf ears are open, when blind eyes pop up, that's glory. We need to contend for that. Jesus, I mentioned this already. I won't hang on it. The resurrection of the dead is glory. John 17, 5, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was Oh, my goodness. Did you know resurrection is glorious? And there's even going to be a time where you and I die. And if you are born again, you will see resurrection to eternal life. And it's glorious. It is 
glorious. Even the Bible, I, I didn't share this in the first service. I'm going to give you guys a bonus because I still got nine minutes. Um, the Bible says in Psalm 116.15 that the death of believers or his saints in the eyes of God is precious. Have you ever heard that before? The death of his saints, his people, is precious. That's the Hebrew word yakar. And that word means costly, valuable, honorable, or any guesses? Glorious, glorious. The death of the people of God is glorious. Why? Because what waits, on, what, what waits for us on the other side is resurrection glory. I'm te- guys, my first preaching engagements, when I went through homiletics, where, was like where we were being taught to preach, uh, I didn't have opportunities. I wasn't being invited as a guest speaker or anything. And so what my professor instructed us to do, he says, if you want preaching opportunities and good evangelism op- opportunities, go make friends with funeral directors. He says, there's always people that are dying that don't have a pastor, they don't belong to a church, and they're always looking for ministers. And so I did exactly that. Now watch, all these, this next week, all of our funeral houses, they're all going to have a bunch of YWAMers come in. Anybody need anybody to preach? That's great. Do it, man. Um, but I did. I went and I made friends with all the funeral directors in town. And some of these guys, there was one, I, I became very good friends with the county coroner. And he'd call me sometimes two and three times a week. Do you know the first church I pastored, we built because of the funerals that I was doing. I came to a church of 40 that grew to 20. That's true. And then we built it up from there by doing funerals and reaching lost people. And let me tell you, there is a major difference. I'd do funerals where you'd have Mighty prayer warriors, men and women of God. And it was rejoicing. There was, yeah, yeah, you're sad that we don't get to see them in this life and where there's a, there's a separation for a time. And, and of course, we, we grieve in that way, but, but there was always a joy. There was always a hope. Thessalonians says that we don't grieve the way that those without hope do because we know there's eternal life on the other side. And so there's rejoicing. But I've had others, oh, my goodness. You guys, I've, I've, done, I've done funerals for people who were murdered in gang activities. I've done suicide funerals. I've done, I mean, on and on and on. People denying God on their deathbed outright and then die. And there is a weight. There is a, there is a difference when a saint of the Lord and when an unbeliever goes to face God. There is glory resurrection. Friend, you better make sure that you're on the right side. You better make sure that you know where you're going before we meet the Lord. If we die, we meet Jesus, or, or if Jesus is to return, either one of these things could happen in a moment. We need to be sure that we're ready. Amen? All right, here's the last one. Worship team, would you guys come? I'm, I am done. Here's, here's the hard one, okay? It is wonderful to look at what Jesus did and to worship him and give him glory for all that he's done and accomplished. And I don't think anybody disagrees with that in this place. Isn't it wonderful? Jesus is glorious. He's good. He's overcome. He's a perfect embodiment of what the glory of God looks like. But here's where the challenge comes. In John 17, 22, Jesus prays. And the Bible says that he's praying for all who will believe. That's me and you. 
And he says, the glory, he's praying to the Father, the glory that you gave me, I have given them. That they may be one just as we are one, I and them, you and me, and they may be perfect in one. And that the world may know you have sent me and have loved them and have as you have loved me. Do you hear it? The glory you gave me, Jesus is saying, I'm giving them. You know what that means, church? It puts every one of us under obligation. It gives every person within the sound of my voice a responsibility. You and I have a mandate from heaven to express and to release the glory of God everywhere we go. It's a big deal. The same miracle glory, the same healing glory, that message of the glory of eternal life. Oh my goodness, the glory that is embodied in Jesus Christ. You and I are to carry that glory and release it everywhere we go. Oh my goodness. It's a responsibility, but it is a great privilege, my friend. Would you stand to your feet all across this room? That's what we're looking forward to. We look around, we see brokenness. We look up, we see Jesus. He is a prophecy. He is a declaration of all that God desires to release in the earth. And we look forward knowing that God's glory is in us and it is with us. And we're going to release it everywhere we go. We're going to be a releaser of the glory of God. Can we just begin to pray? We're going to worship for a moment, but... Can we just ask the Lord to, to show us his glory? Can we ask him to pour out his glory in our midst this morning? Mighty God, we just come to you. And God, we recognize that, Lord, what will differentiate us from any other group or club in the world is your glory. It's your manifest presence. And so, Lord, we come to you today asking, Lord, would you show us your glory? Would you open the heavens over us in the mighty name of Jesus? Come on, church. I want you to lift up your voice. Begin to ask him to show us his glory. Ask him to move in our midst today. Oh, Lord, we ask you to pour out your spirit in great and mighty measure. Lord, we ask that you would use us for your glory and for your namesake. Lord, the very same power, the very same miracle working power, the same resurrection power that you operated in. Lord, we ask that you would pour it out on our lives. Oh, Lord, that you would manifest your glory in our midst, God, for your name's sake. Oh, for your praise. Oh, for your honor. Oh, to turn hearts unto you, mighty God. We ask you, Lord, pour out your glory. Show yourself in this place, Almighty God. Oh, we need you. Oh, we yearn for you, Almighty God. We hunger and we thirst for you, oh, living God. Would you come? Would you come? Would you meet us in this place? Come on, let's worship.